With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Ray and Tay today. Uh, yes, Sports Radio's on. Talking sports with friends and you know we got it on. From the NFL to the NBA. MLB and college hoops do it all day. College football, we know who's number one. Understand, on the phones, you know we get it done. So call in 718-664-9098 and we'll give you more. Hello, hello, and welcome to the show. You're listening to Ray and Tay today, and I'm Ray, tall Ray side. And I'm Tay, Eric Taylor, and we are hyped up to bring you some great sports after a great sports weekend. So give us a call, 718-664-9098. Like always, hit us up on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube us. Check out the website, RayandTayToday.com. Also, send us your emails, your questions about the finals, and anything you want to talk about in Notre Dame football with our guest, Jerry Barker, who's a Forbes sports writer, wrote the book on the 1990, 1988 Notre Dame 88. Championship, Ray. Yeah, 88 with Tony Rice. Oh, can't wait to talk to him. Yep, so, and Ricky, uh, my boy Ricky Waters on Twitter. So that'll be a lot of fun. So give us a call and, and send us your emails, today at gmail.com. We start off, and we got a lot of stuff to talk about. We'll talk NBA Finals. We'll talk to Jerry. We'll get into Triple Crown, American Faro, NHL, uh, Stanley Cup, and, of course, baseball and what went down at the French Open, because that has to talk about and your boy El Tigre. But let's start with LeBron James, hashtag greatness. The, the victory was impressive. The way it was done, to me, was more impressive. How good or how great is LeBron James and the Cavaliers for being tied 1-1 should be up 2-0, if we're being honest? You know, at a certain point you run out of words and superlatives just don't – they run out. They run out in the English language. I mean – it could be that LeBron loses the series, and it could be that he goes two and four in finals, but LeBron may still <laughs> keep moving up the pantheon of greatest players of all time. I mean, this guy is unbelievable, and he's doing it without his second or third best players. He's really doing it with a bunch of folks that are banged up, injured, and, and not as talented, frankly, and not as deep roster-wise as the other team by a mile by the Warriors, and LeBron James is just, you know, like we were joking all year, we were saying, I have LeBron and you don't. So, therefore, you know, my team can, it's like LeBron said, I can't be an underdog. I'm not an underdog. I don't see myself as an underdog because my team has me. (laughs) He's unbelievable. He really is. And, you know, but here's the thing. He played 53 minutes. The game itself, or 50, sorry, he played 50 out of the 53 minutes. I'm not sure that LeBron won't hit a wall if this game, if this series goes to goes seven, six yeah. or seven games, two straight games of overtime, LeBron must have logged, you know, 100 minutes. It, he's he's unbelievable. He, he, I just don't have words for him. And you don't have words, well, but I don't have words for him. No, today. no. It, it, it's, uh, and what's most impressive is that last night, except for Tim O'Fay, Mozgov, nobody played well. Thompson, uh, Shumpert, Deladova just on defense. JR was off. I mean, his dominance and to win a game when you're shooting like 32% and it's one guy scoring and, you know, Tim O'Fay was mostly, mostly uh, points with lobs, dunks. I mean, to really have a stat line of – and I had tweeted out and predicted that he would – you know, get 40, 41, 11, 11. Well, he gets 39, 16, and 11. Goodness gracious. And one thing I want to point out, and I got to say, 
I didn't think of this, but looking back, and, and I got to give credit, I heard this somewhere. I don't know who said it, but they found a stat. Since Stephen Curry went down with a concussion, he's shooting 27% from the three-point line and 32 or 34 from the field. So concussions in basketball, I guess they kind of matter. Now, it could be coincidence, but, you know, you're talking about the one game with Houston and now two games with the Cavs, and he's, he's not really played well, or maybe two games with Houston. <laughs> but, you know, that's, that's got to be something to consider. Um, do you think two things? Will the Warriors shorten their bench from playing their 10 to maybe eight or nine? And will the Cavs, they're, they're going to have to, just like you said, with all those minutes from LeBron, they're going to have to play more than eight guys. And really it's seven because Miller only played six minutes. Um, you know, when you've got James Jones, who, you know, we remembered that he, you know, he helps contribute because he can shoot. And Jr. you've got to put in somebody else. I don't care if it's Perkins or Hayward or maybe Joe Harris plays a couple minutes, whether it's resting LeBron. Why not Sean Marion? You know, this guy's got a ring with Dallas. They have to figure out something, Ray, because you're right. They're going to burn LeBron because we're in for the long haul. Game three, you know as well as I do, the Warriors could win that easily just because of their shooting and if they get hot. So to me, you got to extend LeBron a little bit of rest. Who would you go to? Do you do Harris, Marion? What, what, what would you do as the coach? So I think that, First, you said about Golden State. I don't think Golden State has to do anything except shoot better. I mean, they can shorten their rotation maybe, but you know what? They're fine. They just need to hit their shots. And I think that Steve Kerr is, is the perfect coach, that calming influence, the guy who was a shooter himself. And you have to say, look, keep shooting, but just make shots. I mean, try not to shoot contested shots. And if we shoot But weren't you shots, disappointed in most spades only playing five minutes, Ray? I mean, be honest, he was a killer in game one. He, he, he creates mismatches. And he's hard to guard, and if Thompson or Timothee stick him, they have to come out because he can score from up top 12, 15-footer. He plays five minutes in this game. To me, that's, you know that's a bad but move. He's always been, but he's always been, you know, throughout his career, his minutes have always been inconsistent. So I don't know if it's the coaches or I don't know if they think on defense he's a liability. I, I don't know. You, you have a good point. But why not? I mean, he stretches. He, he's an offensive Force and, and neither team could score, so why not at least go to a guy that has a mismatch? Because offensively, right, and someone could score, balanced. right? Because Draymond was horrible. Let's be honest; yeah. he, he got that last bat, his first basket towards the end of uh, regulation. Except for his no defensive doubt. blocks on LeBron, <laughs> that was yeah, great. Yeah, yeah. Well, he always plays great D. But in yeah. terms of LeBron, you're right; they have to extend LeBron uh, his minutes on the bench. They have to periodically, you know, maybe it's using your timeouts wisely. Maybe it's sitting him before the end of each quarter, but you can't have your guy play 50 minutes. It's just – and the way he plays is an intense 50 minutes. You know what I mean? He plays, oh, yeah. He, he plays offense. He's driving to the basket. He's not settling for jumpers. And you know how Kareem at the end of his career would just, you know, he'd just a little sky hook and maybe he grabs your rebounds on the defensive end. But those were, quote, unquote, easy minutes. LeBron's not playing any easy minutes. So I can't see LeBron getting up near – 45 minutes again in you know in a regulation game he needs to be down around 40 so they do have to they have a five six seven minute stretch where where they have to do Sean Marion where they have to do somebody that's going to give him some J.R. Smith and Monshumper I mean they have to they have to find a way they have to find a way slow the game down even more take a few possessions off the board and then you have to yeah, I, I think, um, honestly, the national media has been, you know, most everybody picked the Warriors, and then they really picked the Warriors once Kyrie's gone down. And I think LeBron, you know, even in his press conference, you can tell he's hearing some of the noise, even though he says he doesn't listen and blocks it out. And I think his greatness is in the fact that <clears> – <throat> Like you said, even if they don't win, he's going to make this a series. They're not going to Cleveland and losing two in a row. So even if you go back to Golden State and it's 2-2, you know, you got to like your odds if you're LeBron saying, look, i got to win two out of three, <clears throat> you know. And they easily could have been up 2-0. He missed the shot. Shumper misses the putback. And to me, Della, Della Vadova 
What a performance. Steph Curry was 0 for 8 when he was on him. And I don't, I'm not saying that Curry's going to, you know, totally warm up, but I will say this. He's surely given Curry a run, um, you know, for his money right now. So, you know. He, you know what? LeBron is playing like the best player on the planet. And from all that we've seen, there's no reason to think that LeBron won't keep his team in the game. As long as they slow the ball down, as long as they let the shot clock, you know, go down to 15, 10, 5, take five, six possessions off, play good D, make Golden State shoot. Yeah, he's shucking it up, right? He's He's playing Nick basketball, baby. You gotta love this. Well, they have all those Knicks on the team. They got three X. Yeah, so they're playing they're rough and tough, <laughs> right? They're playing rough and tough. Is uh, Thompson's a more athletic, skinnier Anthony Mason? You know, he's on the boards, doing the dirty work. He, his shot is ugly, <laughs> but nobody cares. It's. I think this is beautiful to watch, and it it, it makes you realize though that you still need you still need that dominant player to win. And it also shows you to me, LeBron, when he's in and he's focused, and the game's coming so easy to him now, Ray. This is not Miami anymore. He already learned how to win. And now you, you, you see he's like the puppet master out there. He has such control. You know, it's like he's uh, DJ Premier. He's got the turntables just in his palm of his hands, and he's just cutting and scratching. And – you feel like if Golden State is going to win any games, they are going to have to play really well. And it's not just Curry shooting. Other guys are going to have to do something because even in game one, when you could say the Slash Brothers played better and so did Barnes and Green, they barely won that game except for you know blowing them out in overtime, but they almost didn't make it to overtime. So to me, it shows you that the Warriors have got to step it up. Uh, you know, I, if I was Golden State right now, I'd I'd be a little concerned. I really would. You know what? I'm not that worried for Golden State's perspective. You know, again, I think Steve Kerr is the perfect coach, and I think that they have a disposition where, you know, shooters come back and shooters shoot, right? Clay Thompson was really the only one that had a good offensive game, and even his most of his production was in the first half. But you know what? You didn't get to be this good, Steph Curry or Clay Thompson or any of these guys, by not shooting. So I think they'll be fine. I think they just need to put a different mindset on in Cleveland. But you know what? Remember, this team led the league in defense, led the league in offensive efficiency. So they're about about as balanced a team as you can be. All they're lacking is just playoff experience. And they're getting it. And they're getting it. So I don't know that that the goal is they have to change that much. They just have to execute better and shoot better. Yeah, it's going to be fascinating. Uh, Tuesday is, you know, the next game. Before our guest joins us, I'd have to ask you, looking forward, we'll be back Friday. What do you think Tuesday and Thursday, where will we be at going into game five uh, next Sunday night? How do you think the game three and four will play out? You know, I think that they'll split again. I think Cleveland will find a way. I ultimately think Golden State is going to win the series, though. I just you don't you don't lose Kyrie Irving this late in the playoffs. I mean, Kevin Love you kind of found a way to lose or to win without him, and to you know revamp your rotation. And Tristan Thompson has you know stepped up great. And Tim will say, let's not forget up. they lost Farajal too. My boy Elton said, hey, don't forget they lose. They lost Farajal as well. True, they lost Varajal way, but but you know what? They played a whole season without. No, him. I know. They I figured know. out how to how to play without him. I don't think you lose Kyrie Irving, period. But I don't think you lose him this late in the playoffs and and beat the best team in the NBA, the most balanced team in the NBA. I just don't think you're deep enough. But anyway, having said that, I do think Cleveland finds a way to win one at home, and this series goes back to Game Five, goes back to Oakland, tied up two two. 2-2. I think it will be 2-2 as well just because the LeBron will need that Thursday to Sunday rest, and I think they go back to Cleveland, win the third game, and the Warriors win the fourth game. I think after three games of playing the intensity that he plays at, and LeBron is out there working, ladies and gentlemen, I don't know how anybody criticizes 
LeBron right now. To me, when I hear people saying it, I'm just like, they're complete idiots. They know nothing about sports because what we're seeing is history and greatness in its highest form. Jordan, think of Jordan losing Pippen and Grant or Pippen and Rodman. That's basically what LeBron is doing here. And, and that's when Jordan <laughs> lost all those years in the first round. He scored 63 against the Celtics and lost. And, and those are those years between 84 and Yeah, when he didn't have help. When he didn't win. Yeah. No, I mean, you know, this is – this. I mean, people have said it already. Besides what Iverson did, this is already the, one of the greatest performances we're seeing in NBA Finals history from LeBron James. So – yeah, no. don't well, you know what? It's funny people people tend to disregard what he's doing. He, he's naturally six eight two fifty, right? That is just what he is. But but this guy is putting forth more effort than the bench players. He's more talented than anybody else. So you know he he's the most talented guy, putting forth the most effort, the most energy, and he might be the smartest guy in the league right now, and certainly you know on the court in terms of his basketball IQ and his awareness. So if he makes physical errors, which are few and far between, this guy is still playing at a level that maybe we haven't seen, you know, yeah. or at least in a long, long time. Well, I think we have our guest with us. Let's see. Let's see. Jerry, are you with us? Are you on live on Wednesday? I am. I am. I am. I am with you. I'm, and I'm already <laughs> concerned. I'm already oh, concerned. No. What's going on? You concerned? I hear you guys crazy. using this qualifying language about LeBron's performance, and uh-huh. uh, and there's nothing to qualify about it. The guy's the best on the planet in a, in many many years. I mean, I think it insults him to compare him to Allen Iverson. You know, I mean, he is so far beyond what he is. Basically, taking a few guys from like the Y that are really elite New York City Y <laughs> players. Basically. He took, a bu- he took those guys and just won an NBA Finals game on the road against a team that had won 94% of its games at home this season. Oh, yeah, we, I only say that. But, Jerry, I only say that because the national media has been ripping LeBron his whole career almost. And you get it for the, you know, the, the decision and yada, 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 and not four, not five, not six, all these different things. And I don't mean to insult him with Iverson, but Iverson did do a great thing with that team because all he had was Matumbo and Eric Snow and a bunch of, you know, YMCA guys. And Larry too. Brown and, you know. Yeah, and Larry Brown. <laughs> LeBron is the GM, the coach. He's doing everything. And if LeBron has a bad overtime, like game one, he gets ripped. Stephen Curry – has you know, and I put out the stat earlier. He shot 32 or 33 percent since the concussion, and 27 percent from the three-point line in the last four or five games. And nobody rips Curry. So LeBron's greatness is so much above Westbrook, Durant, Curry. In in the stars of stars, he is you know, he's it, man. So, so I'm glad you're 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 on with us, Jerry. Let's let's get started and. Ray's got a couple of questions to throw at you, so let's get into the interview, man. All right, let's yeah, do I, it. Yeah, Jerry, first of all, thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. Yes, so we do you appreciate just it. Recently, you just recently wrote about LeBron, but, but tell the audience a little bit about what you do. I thought it was great when we spoke how you write about leadership through sports. So, so tell everybody. Yeah, so, uh, yeah. I'm not some of the big worldwide names that you guys have had on your show. Oh, um, but, uh, but, you know, I'm, I'm an author, I, you know, with, uh, St. Martin's press. I had, I had a book come out a few years ago. I, you know, I have a, a football book about Notre Dame called unbeatable. Uh, and, and what I do on a, on a regular basis is I'm a contributor at Forbes.com. I write about leadership as seen through sports, uh, which is kind of a wide open thing. It's a, it's a topic of coverage that they let me cultivate, since the uh, really the very end of January was the first time I started writing there, uh, and been able you know last week I wrote about the NFL Yahoo uh, deal to to live stream that game from London as well as writing about right. leadership storylines in the NBA. But I think one of the things that strikes me about LeBron that I think also makes people uncomfortable is he has a ridiculous amount of confidence um, in that he. Is ne- the guy is never down, and he's never not confident. And I think it's incredible what we saw last night. Uh, and, and I wrote a piece on on Forbes today for that uh, about 
here Kyrie Irving gets hurt. He is without an all-star. And he goes and beats this team last night. And he makes mistakes throughout the, the game. I think the measure of who you are, it's great. It's easy in life. You know, if you want to talk about leadership, it's easy in life to be great when everything is going your way. I think the real measure of who you are, your character, is when things aren't going your way. How do you respond and what do you bring to the table? And LeBron, let's be honest, he didn't shoot the ball well. You know, he had he missed the layup at the you know end of regulation. He, they didn't charge him with a turnover, but he did lose the ball there uh, above the arc late in the game. But he, yeah. the guy just keeps coming back, keeps coming back, keeps he's unrelenting, and it's almost at times I feel it's awkward. I think you know when you talked about the criticism LeBron gets. It's a cottage industry to um, make fun of him. I mean, Skip Bayless at Free ESPN basically collects a check to take yeah. shots at LeBron. Uh, but the guy keeps coming back, and he's a winner. You know, he, he is a winner. And I really think you look at the talent level of – I mean, you guys are Knicks fans from way back in the day. I mean, I don't know. It might be unfair to call those two guys cast-offs, but – I mean, look what he's doing, and he's tied in, in the race. Now, I don't expect them to win this either. I don't want – I'd be shocked if they did. But I just think let's – let us – you know, I don't want to – I guess I'm going to use the word witness, but it'd be good for us to take in what we have in front of us rather than the Michael Jordan defenders not want his crown to be challenged, like they get offended by it or something. Oh, and no, they get so angry. angry. <laughs> they do. It's right. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's about this. LeBron. LeBron's been in the league. Oh three, oh four was his first season. So this is his eleventh season. He's been in the NBA Finals six times. So every other year, LeBron James is in the NBA Finals with an, with a, some terrible, with a terrible Cleveland team, a very good Miami team, and now a Cleveland team that's falling apart on him. But this guy, all he does is win. All he does is win. And it seems like since he's been on the scene at 17, we've just been trying to shoot holes in him. For what reason? I don't know. The media just just kills him, and unfairly. Everybody else, it seems like everybody else of his caliber was a darling throughout their career. And LeBron well, I don't think, reason. I just think you hear, it's, it's abnormal to hear it. I don't think it's, um, one is, he's not a, a shooter. At the end of games, it's gonna make those. He's gonna make clutch plays, but he's not. He's not somebody that has this money shot from the outside. Right. And I he's think not he is praised. He's not I Reggie mean, he, yeah. he is praised. He, you know, he's been Sportsman of the Year. He's he does get praised. I don't want to think that the guy gets dogged like he, like you know, say Iverson did, or you know, like he's a right. Dennis Rodman character of some sort. But it's. <laughs> I think it's just strange that. Here's the guy who's clearly head and shoulders above everybody, and yet there is this. There are people who are willing to pick him apart, but I think it's less and less. I do think you see it. I think Twitter has allowed Joe Schmo to have a voice, and that happens right. a lot. And then you have Skip Bayless. I don't know who else is out there necessarily actively criticizing him, but look, his game is not perfect, but it's still something we've never seen before. And it, it, it shows up in different ways, Him, his ability to pass the ball, his ability to be the man on every single possession, the number of minutes he's playing with. And, and even as I pointed out in the piece today, I mean, Kobe and Jordan never got to a finals, let alone win a game in a finals, without another all-star in their lineup. Exactly. So, Absolutely. Hey, Jerry, let me, let me take you back a little bit. You went to Notre Dame. and you I did. Rubber- you wrote a book about that 88 Notre Dame team, and we're old enough to remember that team, Tony Wright. Very good team, And all yeah. of his uh, crew there. So tell us how that was, what that experience was like as a football fan, as a Notre Dame fan, and just as an author that you're, you're writing your first book. Uh, well, I think that experience, you know, it's a couple. It came out in 2013. Uh, the hardcover did, and then the, the paperback came out last year. Uh, the experience was great. I mean, what's what beats what beats being able to write about something you love uh, and write, you know, be able to write books. Um, it was a it was a challenging experience, but it was great, and it was it was great to be able to tell that team's story. Uh, you know, the next book I'm doing is another book on a, a biography, this time of an NFL team, and nothing beats that. I I think it's 
I think it's tremendous. I think, you know, sometimes that's the thing. The thing, one of my pet peeves is media members or writers who complain about any aspect of their job, like if they don't have a good view from their press box or something like that. I mean, <laughs> let's be, it's not, you know, if you don't have a good view at the White House press conference and you need to ask the president a question, that I get, because that's actually important in life. Um, but, you know, to be able to write about sports, I think, is, is uh, just flat out awesome. And, and, you know, for me, I think having getting the journalistic training to be able to write uh, stories that people will enjoy, football stories that are not necessarily fan based stories, but certainly the background of being a fan gives me a knowledge uh, that others might not have because they, you know, no matter what they say, you're writing fiction, you're writing nonfiction. Everybody says you should write what you know. Well, uh, being a fan certainly helps you with that subject matter, but I don't think it, I think it's a, you know, you don't want to be a fan boy because nobody wants to read that. Exactly. So Jerry, let me ask you this. We, we had, um, one of our, you know, esteemed guests, the Stanford, uh, football head coach, David Shaw was on our show and we were talking to him about, you know, the whole premise of recruiting the, the great athlete, but also the athlete that achieves, you know, obviously on a high level academically like you have to do at Stanford. And how do you feel that works now with what Brian Kelly's doing and even, you know, maybe even Notre Dame when you were there or that 88 championship team? How do you feel that works for the student athlete you know, and, and obviously the great ap- academics at Notre Dame as well. How do you feel the whole program, you know, will continue to success, you know, to ex- succeed in that manner with that? Well, I think more and more, I think it's becoming clear whether people want it to be or not that um, football is a short-lived career. Uh, it might be longer if you get into coaching or strength and conditioning training or football operations, but even the bottleneck for the number of kids who play college football to get those jobs that are sustainable is pretty small. And I think a place like Notre Dame, the emphasis and value they place on education uh, can't be underestimated. So I don't have any issue with with kids, um, you know, this idea that, oh, is academics going to hold Notre Dame back? I mean, that, that storyline's been around for a a very long time. I don't think they should compromise on it. And at the same time, I think you have to be realistic in your selection of athletes. I mean, you talk about the team that I wrote about, the 1988 National Championship team. There was, you know, Tony Rice was what was then called Prop 48, so he didn't qualify yeah. for the, through the standardized test, the SATs or whatever other college boards they were. Um, so he had to sit out a year and lose a year of eligibility. That doesn't exist anymore. Chris George was another guy that was an academic question mark. Uh, both graduated from Notre Dame. I mean, Tony Rice, you know, is a, he brokers insurance in Chicago uh, and lives on the 39th floor of one of those skyscrapers in a beautiful apartment. He takes care of his five kids. He, you know, he's divorced from his wife, but takes care of his five kids, maintains that relationship. So I think when you look at a Tony Rice and that type of a story, I think a Notre Dame education really made a difference there. And he obviously made a difference for the university, but I think it's possible. I don't buy into the idea that it can't be done. Um, And there's a weeding out process. I never get really concerned about Notre Dame's graduation rates. And I wouldn't, even though they, the APR, you know, Stanford, Notre Dame, Duke, uh, Northwestern, uh, does well. Vanderbilt, I believe, also is up there. But uh, exactly. I, I never get concerned about graduation rates because those there's going to be a weeding out process. There's kids you're going to bring on the campus that just simply aren't going to adjust to the fact of what gets stressed academically in the course load. Because if you're a red shirt, which Notre Dame doesn't do, um, you don't take a full course load. You only have to reach a certain number of credits by the end of your sophomore year. So you can take one or two classes a semester, and it doesn't matter. At Notre Dame, to get a fifth year, you have to graduate in four. You don't get a fifth year without having a degree. Right. So they, they do it differently, and I think they can do it successfully. And I think they have, and, and you bring up a lot of good points. So on the other spectrum of that, because we, uh, you know, Ray and, and I both agree with that, but then on the other spectrum, our favorite college basketball team is the North Carolina Tar Heels. So when you look at North Carolina 
and then Syracuse and what they've been going through recently and the whole, you know, scandals academically with the NCAA, you almost feel like they are sort of pushing kids through and not caring about them academically, where Notre Dame, you have the perfect example that you just gave us of a Tony Rice who turned it around. Maybe he had a rough academic start, but you know, is a, is a complete success story. What do you think about sort of what's happened with North Carolina and Syracuse and maybe they're failing the students a bit? Well, I worked at Syracuse, so I actually don't want to speak to that because <laughs> uh, okay. I, I did That's work fair. there as a grad. I, I worked there as a graduate <laughs> assistant and I don't have as much knowledge as what went on uh, there. And because I worked there in uh, 2000, uh, you know, the second half of 2000 to the end of the first half of 2002 as a graduate right. assistant. So I don't want to kind of have anything said that would be like, ah, he must know something because I don't. I don't know anything. Right. And right. I haven't even followed it that closely. With North Carolina, um, I, you know, it's a shame. I think it's a shame and it rips people off. I think, but I think the the problem is people aren't, no institution is truly held to account to providing the education they say they will provide. Exactly. You know, there's no measure there, and there's no look at altering how these kids are educated because they are expected to be full-time employees of those departments. And I say employees because they generate revenue, men's basketball and football. Yeah, that's so, so there's no – and there's no budge. There's no, hey, you have to take three credits – or six credits in finance and education. You you know what? We're going to count because you're going to get into sports. We're going to count six credits of what you do in football toward your graduation. Like there's there's no revolutionary thinking there um, that says, hey, let's change this. Let's have these kids be successful. Uh, that's that is what I think is is the shame of it. I, I would love for people to stand up and be willing to be accountable for providing the education and doing what it takes to do that. That's not even in the discussion. The discussion is let's pay them. <laughs> let's compensate them. Well, great. Who, you get, even if you paid them in an annuity, where are they going to be at 27 or 28 years old? You know, don't money I, spent, I think yeah. money spent, NFL career's over. Do you have the education? I mean, I, I think it's a joke that if you leave a school that you did, you know, say you leave early and you don't get your degree, you have to go back and pay for your degree. They're not going to give you a free degree. They're not going to honor right. your scholarship years later. So I think there's a lot of issues there. And I, I think um, we're duped into thinking that compensation is the answer. It's probably one of the answers, but, you know, it's like give a man a fish You've given them a meal, teach them how to fish, you know, you've fed them for life. Right. And I think the other thing is nobody seems, except maybe, maybe except for this Eddie O'Bannon case that, uh, that made its way through the course, nobody seems to represent the college athlete because the college athlete spends, you know, one, two, three, four, or five years in school and then moves on and becomes the professional athlete or, or goes on to do other things. So it feels like they're not represented at the table when it comes to all of this, you know, negotiating with the NCAA, with with the professional league. But Jerry, let me let me uh, change change direction here a little bit. You're writing a book. You wrote a book about a, an NFL team, right? And and we won't. No, I'm writing really, a book. Yeah, that'll be out in 2016. Book, right, exactly, an NFL championship team, and uh, we'll have you back on when when you can speak more to the details about it. But just tell us a little bit about. What's the difference between an NFL team and a pro team, except for yeah, obviously the age and everything, but the lock. You mean college, right? Beyond. Sorry, sorry. Between college and the NFL, what's the you know being around these teams, being around these locker rooms? What are the differences that you picked up on? Um, well, as far as the just the, the the level of play is completely different. The speed at which the game is played in the pros is ridiculous ridiculously fast. If you watch them next to each other, um, say from an end zone of a field, uh, a college game, you'll, you can see a play open up. You may even be able to see where the direction of the play, like a pass play, where a quarterback might be going, how the routes are going. The NFL is, is ridiculously fast to the layman. Even the guys that are out there, the reporters that are watching the All-22, it is a ridiculously fast game. So therefore, 
you know, you just have to be that much quicker of an athlete and know your stuff that much more to react and respond to make plays. The locker rooms, though, the locker rooms, the the, the difference um, in the locker rooms is one's a pro locker room, one's a college locker room. You're dealing with 18 to 22-year-old kids, um, and that can vary depending on the culture that the, the coach sets uh, in college. Uh, in the pros, it's a pro locker room. It's their job. And they're, they're going to go, I mean, you might see some, you know, it's still a man's world down there in a boys' club, but at the same yeah. time, it's a professional atmosphere. I mean, that, that, those are the biggest differences. Okay. I mean, there's nothing. It's uh, and I think they try and more and more be like each other. I mean, I think you see that with uh, you see a lot of that with Chip Kelly and you know guys having shakes and protein shakes that they had at Oregon. And now you know they're just they're trying to make the colleges as much like the pros as they can. But um, you know, it, it's a pro game, uh, you know, and a job. That's yeah. great. You know, no, it's, no. it's funny because as as a layman, I think that the number one thing you said about speed on the field, it, it's so hard unless you're on the field to realize the speed of this game. It, it's really unbelievable. So, Jerry, let's get back to basketball for a sec. Give us your prediction. Who do you like in the series? Is LeBron good enough? Well, he's good enough, but is he capable of taking this injured set of, you know, average plus players to win his third championship? Uh, I, before the series, uh, I, I thought Golden State would win in five. Uh, I still, I still think they'll win in five. Maybe it'll be six. Maybe Cleveland will get another game in Cleveland. I really think at this point the key is how um, Steve Kerr responds to the defense they played on Steph Curry because it was that was really I I thought the key last night. Because there were times when Steph Curry would get loose, literally, you'd see four blue jerseys chasing him into a corner. And, I mean, that's, you know, that's like, you know, fifth grade West Orange, New Jersey <laughs> recreation ball. You know, like, hey, we're going to collapse on him when he drives. And, and you did see that. I know Del Vadova and people want to get psyched because he's scrappy and, you know, he's got the scrappy code word that the media uses, look to him. Yeah. Um, yeah. uh, but, uh, but I, I think, and nothing, he, I think he played well, but I, I think it was the plan there was clearly, you're just going to stay in his Jersey all night. And if he gets by you, the other four guys are going to be there. Um, and, yeah. and I think that, yeah, uh, more team defense. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that, that worked. And I think how Kerr and Golden State responds will really be the key because they were out of sync and their offense as pretty a game as they've played. Their offense did not look well. It's not the type of basketball you want to see where you're getting one pass and a 26-footer. But so, but I'm going to stick to five. I'm going to stick to it at five, say maybe six. If Cleveland shocks the world. Well, we'll all be uh, we'll all be the better for having having bared witness to uh, LeBron. <laughs> hey, Jerry, real quick before we let you go, I'm just sort of curious because. I loved the last year the London game where, you know, we woke up at 9.30 in the morning Eastern. Um, out, I'm out here in Scottsdale, Arizona, so it was a little rough at 6.30 a.m., but I have a little boy, so it was good to get up and watch some football separate from the whole package to actually see a game stand alone. When the NFL did come down with this deal with Yahoo, do you think that it really has a future um, for uh, the Bills-Jags game and, and how they're going to proceed forward with the online streaming of a game? Uh, I think it absolutely – I think it is the future. I think there's no doubt okay. about it. It's the future, and streaming games uh, is the future. I think will they ever get away from networks completely? I don't know, but maybe CBS is going to stream it then on the CBS app that you get. I think so exactly. because there's so much consumption of entertainment on tablets and on screens that are not, and they might even be your TV, but you might be doing it through your Amazon Prime, your Amazon Fire or your Apple TV and the content there. I think, I mean, I think, I think this is a huge deal. And I think what it does is it lets these internet companies now compete. It's why the NFL, that Thursday night package, well, man, they could sell that Thursday night package to Yahoo and have somebody else produce it. There's enough broadcast talent and the ability to produce it. And by 2022, 
you're getting ready to do this. I, I think it's, it's part of the shrewd and smart, savvy maneuvering of the NFL, and I think it creates more competition in the marketplace for the biggest thing going that draws advertisers and draws eyeballs to watch games, which means money, money, money. Will they ever have a team in London? That's the question. I see. I don't know about that. You know, I mean, I I don't know how that will work. I think that that maybe 20 or 30 years from now, something like that, uh, I know there's the the desire to have a team there. What's that? If they brought the, I said if they brought the Concord back, it might. It might <laughs> I remember that used to go over my my grandmother lived in Rockaway, and that would go over her apartment twice a day, and she lived on the twelfth, you know, floor of a twelve story apartment, and it would, you'd feel the building shake every time, and look up. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jerry, thanks for joining us. This has been great. It's been a lot of fun. Keep writing, and like Ray said, we'll definitely have you back because we're both really curious and lifetime fans of the NFL, and obviously it's a major part of our show, which team that you know, you're know you writing your book on, and we'll look forward to reading it as well. Thanks a lot, guys. It's been great. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much, Jerry. Great All right. Job. Take care, Jerry. All right. Yep. Bye-bye. Thanks. Bye. Wow, that was awesome. Jerry Barker, who writes for sport, Forbes.com, Sports and Leadership, and um, just great insight on LeBron and, and, and his article about the, his confidence is, is really good. I was checking that out on Twitter and online. Check out some of his archived articles. Uh, I know our fans out there should, should read up on some of the stuff. He did read a great article on James Winston and also uh, LeBron and, like, like you said, the, the Yahoo deal and how that could be the future of broadcasting, streaming, individual sporting yeah. events. So. Very interesting. Yeah, that's stuff. why I had so to get that in with him because his uh, his take on it was fascinating. So, so listen, we got a lot to bounce around with towards the end of the show. One, first off, can we just clap it up for Victor for es- Victor Espinosa and and American Pharaoh? That was beautiful. It, he brought back the power, grace, and elegance of 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 horse racing. It's been thirty seven years. Great job for the Triple Crown. You know, it's almost a shame that, you know, it's a couple of days later and it seems like everybody stopped talking about it, but it was a great, great race to see. And, you can know, we just we say, might... can we just say that the 70s are back? Because if the Golden State <laughs> Warriors win this series, they last won in 75. The last Triple yep. Crown was 78. So yep. 70s are back. Hey, this horse is faster than a firm. Give him credit. He ran a faster race at Belmont than a firm did. So American Pharaoh is impressive. Great horse. Great horse. Now, listen, what Serena did was amazing, ridiculous. The flu, her 20th major. You can't say enough about her. But what happened to the Joker? Break it down for us, Ray. How did he lose? In four sets, Dan Wawrinka. I tell you what, man. Neither one of us saw that coming. Yeah, I I didn't see it coming. I mean, you know, (laughs) the the Swiss, if you said, is somebody from Switzerland going to win? You'd say, all right, maybe it's Roger. We'll get that fountain of youth thing going. Especially after after he spanked the Joker, spanked Nadal so well, you know. Right, in the quarterfinals. So you figured, all right, he's coasting. Not only that, but he still has to win the French Open to complete his career grand slam. So he had all kinds of yes. incentives to win this. Not that not that these tennis players at the elite level need incentives, but you just thought that it was Djokovic's to win, just like it was Serena's. So as boring as it sounded, one versus one, or you know, top seed going all the way through, he just give 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 Stan the man some credit. You know, he's always been hanging around. He gets to the quarters, he gets to the semis. And, and this was his breakthrough performance, and good for him. I think it's good for men's tennis, too. Do you know what I mean? There's somebody else sort of, uh, you know, we had Murray win, you know, a couple of years ago, but there's somebody else at, at the table now, and uh, you got to like that. And you know what's beautiful We're, about tennis is that they run, and it's a little, like, it's a little bit like horse racing, how the, the, the tracks have, a, have different distances, and when you go to the Belmont Stakes, it's longer, so it's, you know, the horses who win the first two legs of the Triple Crown, sometimes they don't have the endurance. So similarly in tennis, right. you know, they play on clay. And a lot of times... Yeah, different terrain, yeah. Players don't practice as much on clay. And so you have one or two tournaments a year as prep 
for the for the Open. Maybe you'll play in Barcelona or you're playing a couple other places. But you know what? There's something to be said for being good on all of these surfaces. And as good as Djokovic, as good as Novak Djokovic is, he hasn't won at the French Open. That was Nadal thing. Nadal's won nine of them. So he is definitely got that. You know, still has to put a check in that checkbox, and he'll do it within the next two three years. I don't have I don't have any doubt about it. But good for Stan the man, good for Switzerland. It's you know nice to see, like you said, a changing of the guard a little bit. Now before we finish with the NHL and and some MLB with our hot Yankees. A couple of things off the field. Your boy Brandon Spikes was released from the Patriots after he resigned with them. Gets in a car accident, abandons his four hundred thousand dollar car, and you know the police are looking into it. And you know supposedly he might have hit another car. That's just a mess. Then the Niners lose another player, Anthony Davis, the offensive lineman, retires. And this comes up again. We spoke to Wes Walker on our show about it from the Jets, right? Wesley Walker, concussion, and wanting his – I mean, he might come back, but he said he needs his body and his brain to heal. And he's, what, 26, I believe, Anthony Davis? I mean, Ray, the Niners have lost so many players between retirement, free agency. I mean, this is um, – Injury, the kid from Boston College, you know – Yeah, Borland, yeah, this is amazing. I don't know – I don't know what to say. It's a new NFL. This is a new NFL. It really is. And it's an enlightened set of athletes. I tell you what, you know, you think about these athletes as these dumb jocks, and some of them do do some stupid things. Oh, no. These guys are very smart, though. Very savvy. A lot of them nowadays are, are, and good for them. You know what I mean? This is the ultimate gladiator warrior sport, and it takes a toll on your body, and it takes a toll on your brain, more importantly, is what we're learning. And so these are enlightened young men who are making the decision, some of them, to say, you know what, I want to have an 80-, 90-year life, and playing this game might ruin at least the quality of my life, if not shorten my life. So so you know what, I I, I, I feel guilty sometimes watching football because I No, it's so hard, much. it's and hard. That, these guys because we love it extreme measures and we listen not only do we love it we grew up in an era of nfl films where it glorified the sort of toughness and the violence of the game and you know we kind of grew up with that so we love the the jack tatum and the, the hitting from the raiders and the old steelers and just the everything yeah and, and lawrence taylor i mean just throwing men <laughs> out of his way and, um, you know, you have to sort of um, be awakened to the realities of grown men cannot even move, think, talk, or walk in their late 40s, early 50s. Look at Jim McMahon, you know, for perfect example, because of what they went through. And so many guys like Seau and uh, uh, Dave Dorson and Mike, Dorsen, Mike Webster, yeah. yeah, with the, you know, the suicide because of their suffering. So... And, you know, we just continue to hope that it gets safer and safer for everybody. And, Ray, this the last one before we get to the hockey, we got to send a prayer out to the lady, um, the fan that got hit with the bat in the, the Boston Red Sox at Fenway Park this weekend. Um, you know, she was still in, in, in I guess, serious condition. And um, we just hope everything works out with her. And you wonder, will Major League Baseball, is is the thirst for catching a ball more important than your own safety because a ball or a bat could hit you and really it could kill you? I mean, is, is it that important? I think we need these nets, don't you? Protect the fans from themselves. Fans go crazy. When it comes I know. To they go ball, crazy for a bat. ball. Yeah. They Isn't fight it, each other. I mean, it's practice. insane. It really I, is. I really think it's, it's, uh, it's going to change because there's going to wind up being a, a death and then lawsuit. I mean, it's too much. It's too much, you know. So we just, we just hope everything works out with that, with that woman and, and just prayers to her and her family. How about both NBA Finals and the Stanley Cup final are 1-1. Congrats to the Lightning. What did you think about their win 4-3 in Game 2? And then tonight is Game 3. The Blackhawks are at home. 
what are you thinking? What's going to go down tonight you in know, the Stanley Cup? Give Tampa credit; their backs are yes. against the wall. You know, against a team that's got so much experience and so much talent, they cannot. They could not go down 0-2 at home and then and then go to Chicago and really expect to win this series. Even though they play great on the road. <laughs> they do, but still, inexperienced team. Yeah. You know, this isn't the team with Martin San Luis who won the title, you know, I guess the year before the lockout, the year of the lockout. So I, I, I give Tampa a lot of credit. You know, I, I picked Tampa to win the series, and I still you think did. that they, they're on track to do that. Um, for stretches of this game and the previous game, you could argue of the six periods that have been played so far, Tampa's been better in, in four At and a half, four five of years. Them. Yeah. I mean, no, this, I would agree. Something where the coach says, look, guys, you know, just go keep doing what you're doing. Um, you know, Crawford is up and down, so Ben Bishop can give them some stability. And, of course, uh, uh, you'd want Johnson to get hot again and Stamkos. And they've got that offensive firepower to keep up with the Blackhawks. And but I think on the road, Ray, they're going to slow the game down, sort of muck it up like Cleveland, and I think the Lightning will, will will play a little bit, you know, fast, but a little bit more defensive, sort of like they did game seven against the Rangers. Can't you see them doing it against the Blackhawks, especially in Chicago? For sure. And I think that this game – and this series, this game goes down to the wire, and this series might go down to the wire. It might be a seven-game series again. Um, you know, I, what did I? I think I originally said Blackhawks. Uh, sorry, uh, Lightning six. Um, but this you said Lightning in six. I said Blackhawks in seven. I, I do believe that they'll go back to Tampa two-two in this one as well, as we said for Cleveland Golden State. I think that's you know where we're headed. Bonus. I'll take Chicago tonight, though. <laughs> Oh, I take Tampa tonight. But bonus for us. You know what? Those two overtime games in basketball. We have, uh, we it's have been a lot great. of hockey in these playoffs. I love it. The more the merrier. Well, I mean, when you think about it, when you're watching that game last night, and, I mean, honestly, when Draymond Green blocked LeBron's shot, I was like, oh, my goodness. Like, But I was getting frustrated because this is so funny, and Jerry mentioned it. LeBron didn't even – I mean, look, 39, 16, 11, 1, and 1, and he – almost didn't have like he could have played he left he left six to eight baskets out on the court and and some of the 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 poor decisions I thought the coach made some bad decisions in in terms of not bringing in guys and he should have brought back James Jones earlier Shumpert was a liability before he fouled out offensively I mean I I just sometimes am so baffled at, at while it's happening the lack of 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 the sensibility of momentum because momentum is so huge in sports and in these games. And to me, Cleveland should have easily won that. I mean, look, they had a 13, 13 point lead with what four to go. So, I mean, you know, I don't know. I, I think, um, I think they, they've got to be happy because I think they're making Kerr work a lot harder. And, you know, listen, you don't want to give Della Vadova all the credit, like Jerry said, because it's team defense. But uh, but hey, he's he's a big help. He's a big help. You know. He is, and you know this team, like I said, the the, the Golden State Warriors. The, the one thing they're missing is experience. And so playing all these minutes, they're they're getting that experience. They're getting tougher. They they're, they are getting tougher. But let me ask you, this is Green and Barnes. Remember, I said this earlier to you and Orrin when he called in offensively, the, the, the guys on their team disappear quickly. And if Clay and Steph aren't scoring almost uh, 50 combined, they're at risk of losing any night against a, a LeBron and, and, and a, either a hot JR or a, uh, somebody else that heats up from three. You're right. Um, if, if, Cleveland had, if Cleveland had Kyrie, I'd be more worried. But the thing is, Cleveland can't really score either. So No, you're, you're right about that, yeah. If Golden 2020 State after the first team. quarter and 47-45 at the half. So you're right, you know. And uh, listen, so Cleveland's you, not going to run away with these games. If Cleveland wins, Cleveland's going to win be, by two, three, four. Yeah, three, Golden exactly. State Golden State, State could blow them out, and I, I, and they I think they will at least one game. I think they will one of these games. Yeah. So let's talk baseball, man. Let's end the show with a bang. Um, 
what I love is that, and I, and I don't know the stats if this has ever happened, but the AL West and the NL West all at least have a one-game losing streak at the same time. So they all lost yesterday, and some of them have, you know, four-game, five-game streaks. But it's amazing, you know, I mean, obviously the Astros have lost four in a row, and then you got Seattle losing, and um, whatchamacallit, the Anaheim, five in a row. The Dodgers got a bad losing streak. But can you ever remember the AL and the NL West, all eight teams, basically, um, or nine teams having uh, this uh, big of a, you know all losing streaks. It's, it's pretty. Uh, it's interesting. Yeah, I don't know what's happening there. Maybe you know all you crazy folks out on the West Coast. Uh, <laughs> something something's in the air. Something's in the water. Something something uh-huh. something's in the air. There have been a lot of storms out here lately, so maybe it's the weather patterns. But let's talk about our Yankees. And and even the Mets, they were out here in Arizona, and, and they, uh, you know, I saw a beautiful uh, pitching last night from uh, your boy DeGrom is amazing. So the Mets got got a game, but the Mets are in first place. The Yankees are in first place. Uh, Mets only half a game, but Ray, our Yankees can can our eyes like. Oh, is this true, what we're seeing? Only a game and a half up, and Toronto's, you know, pretty hot too. The second hottest team in baseball winning, uh, what, like four or five in a row themselves. But the Yankees, six in a row, what are we doing? Do you like this, and can we can we continue it? Well, if Matsuhiro Tanaka is back and his elbow holds up and he, in fact, doesn't need Tommy John surgery and he doesn't do damage to his elbow – then the Yankees have every right to compete in the AL East because I just think the AL East is weak. Uh, Boston never really turns it around. I thought from last year that picking up Hanley Ramirez, picking up Cespedes, and they were just a pitcher away potentially from being one of the better teams they in, gotta make in a the trade. league, and, and at least in the, in the American League. Uh, but they're underachieving. The Orioles are underachieving. So I think the Yankees actually, the more I come to think about it, the Yankees, are going to be in it because I think the AL East winner is going to win 90 games maybe. And that's not – Especially if they start to play better defense, they're hitting home runs, and if their pitching staff gets healthier because their bullpen's so good, you're right, they can stay in it. You know, and and if you can get the bottom half of the bullpen, so so the Warrens of the world, and even CeCe Sabathia – I mean, think about it. Season Sabathia is your number three starter right now with Pineda and, and Tanaka. And if you can get some, some decent performances and maybe he becomes your third slash fourth starter, it's not a bad, you know, middle back into the rotation guy. Like you're paying him like he's the number one starter. Um, if Batantis and Miller can stay healthy in the back end, and again, if the, my real fear is the position players. And what yeah. happens in August and what happens in September? So my fear is the age is going to catch up to them. But right now I can see the, the AL East winner winning the division at between 88 and 90 games. And everybody in the AL East should think, I can win 88 games. I can win this division. Well, especially Toronto because, they're they, listen, they are climbing fast. The Rays are pitching well, but Toronto's starting to do a little bit of everything well. So they – we're going to have to watch out for them because this might actually be the year Toronto, all that talent actually, you know, turns into something. Um, the Astros have been struggling, struggling as of late, Ray. And I wonder, you know, we, we, we spoke about them a lot on the show, giving them their props. Can they, um, can they hold on? Or do you feel like they're starting to fade fast? Well, look, Texas is on their heels. I just don't think Texas pitches well enough. So I'm not really worried about Texas. I am worried about the Angels and the Mariners if they were to ever get it together. So the Mariners would have to do a huge turnaround. I think I think the Angels, though, I think ultimately the Angels will come back and have a good second half of the season. And, you know, I'm always into Mike social teams. So to me, the Houston Rockets, Houston, Rock, Houston Astros have to, have to watch out for them more so than the, than the Rangers. But you know what? I have a sneaky suspicion Houston might not go anywhere. They might stick around and, and, and barely squeak out that division. 
Yeah, and we'll see what happens. KC in Minnesota and Detroit, they're going to keep battling. Great show. Um, definitely go to Forbes.com and, and read uh, Jerry Barker's articles. He was a great guest. We enjoyed having him on, and we'll definitely have him back. Watch the NHL Stanley Cup tonight. I mean, game three. Then Tuesday and Thursday, we've got the NBA Finals. This is going to be a lot of fun. Ray, I haven't seen Entourage. The reviews are really bad, and I don't care. I'm still going to go see it. What do you think? <laughs> what do you think? Mark you got to you you, you gotta see Entourage, right? It, it's for the guys. Yeah, Great. Yeah, so one of the all-time best series. series. Yeah, we had so much invested in the series with uh, – you know, that crew, and they're from Queens, and they're representing and Mark Wahlberg's executive producer is basically, you know, a little bit of re- his reality. So, yeah, we're, we're going to see it. We're going to see it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, you know, we'll have to give you some uh, some summer updates of uh, some of the movies we see. Definitely uh, that's one that I'll, I'll have to get to. So, great show. Um, it was a lot of fun. And, uh, again, always we'll be back Friday. And it was just fun, you know, talking sports like always. So let's go Yankees. Let's go Cavs. Uh, and uh, we'll see have what happens tonight in the hockey. Yeah, we have a lot to talk about. We have, we'll be deeper into the NHL and NBA finals. And we'll see everybody on Friday. Thanks for listening. Talking sports with friends. Yo, this is Papa Francisco. You know what? When I want the sports all the best updates, I go to Ray and Tay. That's right. All sports. All good. Yeah. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.